episode of Game Pass Grab Bag, your weekly podcast for your games from the Game Pass Collection, bringing you 3D perspectives for varying skill range. I will be the perfect agent of this episode. Andrew, with me are Secret Agent Keith. Hello. And our Agent Liz. Hey guys. And this week was a listener pull pick. Liz, what did the listeners pick? They picked Perfect Dark. Every time I do a pull pick, there's a tie. So the winners, I decided to do this one this week because my sister's visiting and we love the multiplayer in this and I haven't played the campaign. And then next week will be the other winner. So if you follow us on Facebook and Twitter, you'll be able to figure out what's next. Yeah, and we're on Facebook at Game Pass Grab Bag. And we're also on Twitter at GPGB Pod. But yeah, this week we did uh, Perfect Dark from Rare Studios. So this is a very old game, but has been slightly remastered. And it's been put into the Rare Replay collection. But this is actually the Xbox 360 version. This game was kind of done up a little bit. Nothing too crazy. It's still a lot of the same voice acting. They just made the graphics slightly better. Uh, But they redid it and released it originally on the Xbox 360 Arcade. And it has now obviously been bundled up in the Rare Replay. And is now on Game Pass. So, I don't know if you guys have any history with this game. But this was actually one of my all-time favorite Nintendo 64 games. I... I'm actually going to say I think I love this game a lot more than I like GoldenEye. A lot of people remember GoldenEye, and this is essentially a sequel to GoldenEye, but obviously they couldn't do a sequel because that's a licensed game and you can't make a GoldenEye 2. wouldn't make any sense. So they made this game, and it is essentially a sequel. It's it's just a lot more interesting. They had a lot more fun with the weapons. I thought the campaign was better. The overall story and everything was interesting. But starting off, I guess, since I've already started this rant, I'm giving this game a pass. As a hardcore gamer, it's really kind of hard for me to recommend this game due to the fact that it is just so old. And it's not bad. Like, if you if you want to see how games were in the Nintendo 64 era, it's, it's absolutely not a bad game. There's still a lot of great things about it. But it's hard for me to be like, hey, man, you're looking for a fun multiplayer or a great single player? You should check out Perfect Dark. So for me, I'm giving it a pass. I mean, I like how you cut Liz off on this since it's her game, and you know. I know she should have started, but you know, I was on a roll on a rant, so I was like, "Yeah, screw it, I'm just gonna go right with it." Liz, I'm gonna let you go, and then I'll <laughs> take my thoughts. Oh, thanks, Keith. So I think for me, the multiplayer, I'm so nostalgic about Goldeneye. I didn't play this until a couple years ago because I was telling Andrew how I missed the old games, and this was on Xbox. And I think Goldeneye, like some of the places that you went there was better like sniping opportunities it's pretty much the same for me though i love it i love the multiplayer of this it's very very simple and so for me the multiplayer is definitely a game but the campaign is a hard pass (laughs) and so um i if you are like i think around our age and you played those games i i mean i would give the multiplayer another go i got questions for you (laughs) (laughs) But go, Keith. <laughs> See, I'm glad you guys started, because I thought I was going to get harassed for this. I, there's there's sons of nostalgia in this game. I loved GoldenEye, and honestly, I don't know. I feel like I had to have played Perfect Dark at your house. You must have, yeah, because we owned it. We loved it. At the very least, I can just picture myself at 12 years old, up till 2 in the morning, in 64 controller in hand, just playing games like this for hours on end, and I loved it. But I so done with this game so quickly this week so yeah i think it's a it's a pass as of um what 20 plus years ago later but it's a great game and and what it is 
I was trying to remember a game that we played fairly recently. It was a multiplayer. You said that one of the characters reminded you from another game. They were on like scooters. Are you talking about Bleeding Edge? Yes. So a multiplayer game like that, I really disliked that game. I didn't want to play it. I didn't think it was fun. And so for me, the fact that this game that came out 20 years ago was still fun for me. Maybe it's not fun for somebody who is used to newer games, but I thought the multiplayer in this was a thousand times better than Bleeding Edge. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Keep this too. I I think this is accessible to anyone. You can make it as hard as you want as well. So you could do like all more difficult sims, like judge sims that attack the player that's uh, best. Like I, I, I know like gr- like uh, graphically, in every other aspect, it is nowhere near as good as Bleeding Edge. But fun wise, like I, my sister and I have been playing this for hours and Way hours. Too <laughs> Way too much. You would do that without this game. But I will say that getting back to the campaign, I did not want to play it. It didn't age well. It wasn't fun. I think that a lot of things take away from it. So you have this story that I think would have been more interesting if the graphics and the voice acting weren't so bad. Where do I even begin? (laughs) I think the voice acting was my favorite part of this entire game, quite frankly. The voice acting is delightfully awful. I think we need to to back up here, though. But All right. Not to get too far ahead. So I actually really enjoy the campaign. This is probably where I differ from you guys. I actually enjoyed the campaign because Perfect Dark took risks. And overall, I I like what they did. So the campaign, there's three different modes you can play with. You can play it solo. You can play it co-operative. And that's operative as in the spy, which I thought was cheeky. And then there's counter-operative, which is this, as far as I can tell, this is the only game that has ever done it. Counter-operative is essentially one person is playing the single player campaign while your friend is playing the bad guy. Like, he can die and respawn as just another typical grunt. So he's easy to kill and he has a generic weapon, but it was just kind of an interesting thing where a friend can kind of play to kind of screw you over. And it, it was just an interesting game mode. It's nothing crazy, but the story of the game is a bit bonkers. It's, it, I don't think it takes itself too seriously. I think the game is, try, I think Rare was really trying to go humorous with this game. So if you've ever played any of Rare games, which you have, Liz, can you name, can you name a recent Rare game we played? I'm glad you, you had to just tell her then. Oh, a recent one. I was thinking of the one with the lizard. No. That is. They did not make that. Oh. <laughs> what? I don't know. She's thinking of ukulele, and no, that's not rare. No, it wasn't ukulele. It was a different one that we played. Oh, you, uh, Yuko's Island Express? No, nope. it was um, another cartoony one. No, ukulele was them. Yoku's Island Express was No, uh, ukulele was made from some people that were from Rare, but it's not a Rare game. I forget what it was called, but you... Uh. Went into like a ball. You had to, you had four different spirits, I guess. So one would climb walls. Yeah. One um, would... Is that rare? Cameo. cameo. And yes, that is rare. See, uh, you tell me I'm wrong. You didn't know what game I was talking about. But they about. also did Sea of Thieves. Oh, gotcha. So anyone who kind of knows <laughs> Rare's history, a lot of their games are pretty humorous. Like they did Conqueror's Bad for a Day, Banjo-Kazooie. They're a British studio, and they like to be a little cheeky with this with some of their properties, which is under, which I enjoy. I always love Rare's charm. So I don't think the story is trying to be too serious because you're playing a, a secret agent who's trying to stop this conspiracy of trying to take over America and kidnap the president. And then it starts delving into aliens. And, of course, the alien is like your typical big head, small gray guy, and his name is Elvis. And you're fighting these other bad aliens. It just gets a little bonkers. But did you guys care for the story at all? 
I, I didn't get far enough into it, quite <laughs> honestly. I was trying to play it on some of the harder difficulties, which slowed me down a lot. But I just I ignored it all when I did. I just, show me what my mission is and let's get it you over with. You didn't watch the cutscenes or anything? Eh, some of them, but I not did. many. They were hard to watch. They're, they did not age well. <laughs> I mean, when you're playing the solo missions, you have a couple objectives and I felt like sometimes the game was very buggy and that I'd have to try something like four times, the exact same thing, until it would finally work. And it was very much like, go here, hit this. And it just like, I don't know, it didn't really, I think it took away from the story. I, I just, I couldn't get into it. I played quite a bit of it. But the problem is, I just kept going back to, what was it called? Like the actual like multiplayer that I'm talking about. Combat simulator? Yeah, so I would always just go back to the combat simulator, which is the multiplayer that I was referring to earlier. Because that I was the fun part for me. Andrew kept having to remind me, like, oh, you got to play the campaign, Liz. And so I would actually play it with my sister, and I don't think either of us were really... You weren't having fun playing with a friend? Did you prefer it, it solo was, or with a friend? It was more fun with a friend. But and it was also really interesting because I started out playing this game with the combat simulator and you can pick between different characters and you see different people and the costumes are the same from the campaign. Yeah. Which, I, I, going back to it, I was really excited. I always play, we, we call her Hillary. She looks like Hillary Clinton. And I started playing the campaign and I was like, oh, she's an actual character. Not <laughs> Hillary Clinton, by the way. But it does kind of look like her. Not. See, I just, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, I like, I like how the difficulties kind of ramped themselves up you could play it was i don't know very accessible i feel like but at the same time maybe i'm wrong but i almost felt like this game was not accessible in so many ways because of the gameplay because of the fact that it felt like this game was built for an n64 the controls didn't make sense really on the xbox controller and i just always found myself hitting weird buttons a lot and also just gun aim and things like that I, I've so long forgotten what it's like to play a shooter on a game, on a system like the N64 that trying to do it on the 360 or doing it on the Xbox One, I, I felt so hindered, I guess. I don't I know. I think that sniping is absolutely horrendous. When you zoom in, mm -hmm. it just darts around like crazy. You can't actually focus it. You just have to wait for it to have the red box and just shoot really, really fast. And then when you're playing with the regular guns... It's auto-aim, and sometimes it doesn't really work the way that it's supposed to. So for me, I do think that the shooting was a little eh. If only that wasn't like 80% of the game. <laughs> yeah, the shooting is a bit <laughs> aged, but at least with this version, they definitely have given you plenty of options to kind of customize and change things up. Like you reduce the sensitivity when you zoom in. I would obviously, I would turn off a lot of, I don't know why this game had it, but it's weird. When you turn left, your reticle always snaps back to the middle. So you're always kind of fighting the reticle, which is weird. I It's weird to think that that was a normal thing for a shooter, that you kind of had to fight your reticle. You can turn it off in this version, which is which I, of course, did. The auto-aim is, of course, super forgiving, which is awesome. There's no point in ever zooming in. Zooming in is a battle, as you said, Liz. I agree. Sniping is the worst in this game. But... You normally don't have to. The auto-aim is just so forgiving. But like a lot of things in this game, the auto-aim is inconsistent. And that is just my biggest complaint with the game is a lot of inconsistencies. But I also think that that kind of makes it fun. 
So when you're playing with somebody, so sometimes my sister and I, we won't actually like put teams, but we'll have like a pack, like we won't shoot each other. You guys play the weirdest ways. Sometimes we'll accidentally, we'll be using proximity mines or or guns and we'll accidentally kill the other person. And usually it's fine, but if you do it too many times, it's like gloves are off, man. And so like sometimes the auto aim like glitching kind of like transforms the game for us because then all of a sudden it's like, who's going to win this round? You know? I... I've showed you guys so many times how to set up teams, but you guys refuse to be on a team, but you always work as a team. You want to stand next to each other sometimes and fight we don't. over kills. Sometimes we don't. <laughs> it's just, blows my mind. But I want to get back to the campaign, though. I do agree that the campaign isn't as accessible as, like, most games are today. Because you got to think, this is Nintendo 64, and people who lived during that era... If you remember, you normally got guides and strategies from magazines and stuff like that. And that's how you figured out how things worked. And so this game has no tutorial. It has like shooting ranges, but essentially it doesn't really have any tutorial. So I was at least able to show you, Liz, how to select items, find your objectives, and so on and so forth. But what I enjoyed about the campaign is that I'm surprised more games don't do this, but they did it in GoldenEye as well. Depending on what difficulty you did, actually changes up on what you're doing in the level. If you're just playing on easy... The agent difficulty, your objective essentially is to get from point A to point B. That's it. Then if you're playing on medium, they're like, oh, you know, maybe tap this computer or, you know, hijack this thing. Like you have to do some other things we have to search for. Then if you're playing on hard, not only are the enemies more difficult, you take more damage, but now you have a bunch of new objectives you have to do. So it adds a lot of replayability to the game, which I th- I think is a really interesting feature because even today whenever you select a difficulty for a game all you're doing is just having tougher enemies but this actually added different gameplay for you to do and try to do different things and explore more of the level so i enjoyed that part of the campaign but well and i i agree i like that but it was the gameplay that got me and i know it's super billion years old basically but yeah that was the thing that really just killed me the most and i don't know I, I could do without having some sort of unique experience like that, at least as a trade-off. Yeah. And like, I will admit the gameplay can be a bit rough. It still is, it's kind of cheeky and, you know, brings back nostalgia, but yeah, playing on harder difficulties, as I said, the thing that frustrates me with this with perfect arc is the inconsistencies. And one of them is the enemies because it doesn't matter what difficulty you're playing on the AI. It isn't awful, like, surprisingly, at the time of when this game came out, which was in 2000, the AI is actually not half bad. But there's some times where they can just instantly shoot you. Like, they instantly pull the trigger. And if you play the level again, maybe the enemy will decide to do a roll and you, they're an easy target. It was just inconsistent. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm going to enter this room. There's going to be this guy. He's going to do this maneuver, this. No, it's just it's just kind of a grab bag. What kind of goes on with the AI decides to do? Sometimes they're a perfect shot. Sometimes they're the worst shot in the world but you never know that, it's not like you could dodge it either that was truly awful where i would be shooting somebody for like 20 minutes like i cannot count how many times i've hit this person and then someone comes around the corner hits me once and i'm dead yeah and that's and that's another thing that's kind of weird you shoot someone three times it might kill them it might not sometimes they take eight bullets sometimes they take two it's kind of inconsistent it's all because like the auto aim if you can get a headshot yeah they're dead right away but the auto aim doesn't always go for the head and it's so kind of lucky. And good luck trying to aim for the head yeah. yourself. <clears throat> Not exactly very easy. Yeah, I don't. I loved the AI though. I, I mean, I, like I said, it was just so charmingly bad. 
I think you might have said it earlier, or or you stole it from me. I don't know. Appreciate sure you stole it from me. But it just, I'm 99% certain I said it while we were playing the other day. <laughs> but either way, it's charming. But I have it on record. Because sometimes, yeah, they're, like you said, they're so inconsistent, but it just always made me chuckle that some guy just goes rolling away for really no particular reason. Maybe it's into a wall, even. Or, or they kind of walk back to do this awkward crouch to turn sideways and shoot you, and it's just like, what is this maneuver? Did you guys like the weapons? Because that's something that I thought was fantastic. I love the proximity mines. I love, like, you turn a corner and you see it and you're like, crap! And you, like, slow-mo, like, trying to get back, but you explode. There's there's so many different weapons in this game. And some of them are better auto-aiming than others. Some are just, like, super slow pistols. Then you have, like, the Avenger and uh, you have alien guns as well. So I thought it was really diverse and I liked it. Yeah, I think there's something like 32 different weapons in all, and that includes all your mines and all of that, but I think personally I pretty much just ran around with my pistol or a CMP50, because nothing seemed to really do more or less damage. It was just a matter of clip size and reload speed. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the arsenal that this game offered, but a lot of the guns are kind of samey. They're kind of like the same reload speed. I couldn't tell what did do more damage or not. The cool thing about Perfect Dark, though, is that almost all these guns have a secondary fire. And it made things really cool. Like, you have the Super Dragon, where it's a normal machine gun, but it's secondary fire, it's a grenade launcher. Or the regular Dragon, where normally it's a machine gun, but it's secondary fire, you throw it, and it becomes a proximity mine. There's the laptop, which turns into a turret and shoots people. Like, it actually adds, like, a kind of interesting variety. But... As far as like playing in the campaign, I could care less. Just give me a pistol. I just need to blast people and go through the levels. But when you're playing actually the multiplayer, they're kind of fun. But there were some of them that I was never like, oh, I need to have this gun. But actually, since we're on the weapons, uh, I do love this game is actually infamous for having one of the super ultimate overpowered weapons. I felt like there was always like a common trend, especially in like Nintendo 64 eras, that there was always like a gun that was just stupidly overpowered. So this game had the like XR-154, I think it's called. It's an alien sniper rifle that can shoot through walls, and it's a one-hit kill no matter where you shoot somebody. And having auto-aim in this game, you literally just sit in a closet and just snipe all your friends, and they can't do anything about it. So it was like one of the most stupid overpowered weapons. But I love the diversity. I actually would always do custom weapons. So I would have a couple, some real crappy pistols and then have the really fun ones to make it a little bit harder. Because there's nothing worse than, like, all of a sudden being surrounded by three people and having the falcon, you know? So, why are you laughing? Because that's like, he said it, like, ugh, have the falcon like a noob. Yeah, so I didn't oh, do the one-hit gun. I made it so that I always have, like, either, like, I don't really do grenades. Like, I either have, would have, like, grenades or proximity mines and explosives. You always have proximity mines. This is also yeah, why it blows my mind that you <laughs> even, like, do a custom list and have put even, even put the Falcon. Because all you guys do is get the proximity mines and throw them everywhere. No, I switch up. I get bored with that. So sometimes I will find an area and snipe and then I'll either run out of bullets or I'll get bored and I'll go out and, you know, probably die instantly. But I switch it up quite a bit. But in the multiplayer, I, I'm assuming you didn't play it at all, Keith. But, Liz, I know you did. What did you think of the counter-operative game mode? Where one person plays this, the campaign, one person's a good guy, one person's a bad guy. I really liked it. I was playing with my sister who did not. So <laughs> we each played a level as the good guy and one as the bad guy. And um, I, I thought it was almost more fun than the campaign. So 
I don't think I'll keep doing it. Like, I think we were both with the same mindset of, like, I kind of just want to get through this to go to the um, <laughs> multiplayer. But, I mean, it was it was fun for me. She hated it, though. See, I, I loved it. It's, I agree. It's not something where it's like, hey, let's play this game mode. This is a lot of fun. It's definitely something you're only going to spend, like, 30 minutes on. But it's a lot of fun to kind of screw with your friend. One person's trying to do the objective and you're the bad guy, basically trying to sneak up behind him and shoot him in the back. And of course, this being a Nintendo 64 game, it's super easy to screen look. Oh yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> but like, like I said, we don't usually play versus, but I, I want to point out too that I think my sister, she doesn't really play video games. She used to when we were kids, like I did. But I think if she started playing video games, she would surpass me so quickly. Like <laughs> Andrew was watching us play and we couldn't figure out what to do next. And because it was one that had like less missions, but we thought we we're supposed to go somewhere. We couldn't figure it out for some reason. And I was like, oh, what if I hit the alarm? And it specifically says you have to be discreet. And I was like, what if we hit this? And it's a giant red button that says alarm. And Liz is like, let me hit this. It's the alarm. Instant fail. We had to restart. But I think she is, I think she has a lot more common sense than I do. And she picks things up a lot quicker. So for me, I have to rely on kind of being cheap playing against her. So I, I don't know. I think I think like um, she would be really good. Fun fact. I will say the enjoyable thing too about the campaign is it is super short. Each level, you're, you're spending, well, if you're Liz, you're spending maybe 20 plus minutes trying to find <laughs> the button. But I was playing on the hard difficulty. I, I noticed I was beating levels within like 6 to 15 minutes, depending on like the objectives and stuff and how you're moving. But a lot of them, for the most part, aren't too long. I mean, just to play through the main story, the median time to beat is a little shy of nine hours. So it's not a super long game. I mean, if you rush it, you could probably do it pretty quick, especially if you play on easy. Like I said, easy is just getting from point A to point B. I'm just not observant, and so that's why it takes me so long. It would take me... I feel... I don't know. I just... There was one time that I was playing, and... There was, like, an X on the wall, and I had to know, like, that was where you blow it up. But I feel like if I wasn't, like, paying, like, super hard attention, like, trying to get through the level, I would have missed it. I thought that sometimes it wasn't really obvious. Yeah. They, they definitely make... Like a big red X no, on the wall. No, it, was, it was white, and it was blue and white walls. It was... I mean, it wasn't crazy hard to find. I mean, I, when I saw it, I was like, Andrew, am I supposed to do something with that? And he's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you are. Yeah, I mean... This is, I think, definitely where the game shows its age. And we're so used to kind of being guided to things or shown where to go. There's, yeah, no real map. You sometimes get like a motion detector in the campaign, but not really. So there's no real map. You're given a slight text of explaining what you need to do. Oh, you need to steal a uniform? Well, try to get it from a guard. It's like all it says. And it's just like, what what do you mean? What do do I have to do with that? You think that this is where it shows its age, not the graphics? (laughs) Um, The graphics actually, I think, aren't bad. But no, I think of this. We're, I think it's just we're so used to kind of being guided along. But I don't know. if It's hard for me to say because when I played this game, this was back in 2000. So I already knew a lot of the objectives because as a kid, I played the snot out of this game. So I was able to help you a lot with it. But the thing, even back then, that I loved the most, as Liz is saying, I did enjoy the combat simulator mode. So this is a huge reason why I think this game is better than GoldenEye. I know I'm probably getting some people mad, but... The gameplay is essentially very similar to GoldenEye, but what made Perfect Dark so much better is the fact that you had bots. You could actually go against the computer. You could play by yourself and just go against the computer. And I love to do that. 
when I was a kid because there was this is actually one of the earlier games too where it had its statistics. It showed like your favorite weapon, how many bullets you fired, what's your overall accuracy, how many kills you got. So as a kid, I loved to feed those numbers. I always would play like two matches and see how my numbers changed. I used to love the multiplayer. Playing it now though, it's a bit rough. <laughs> as Liz said, her and her sister loves playing it and they didn't want me to play with them. And I just found it so boring. It's just, it's hard, like playing so many multiplayer games now, like Halo, you know, Call of Duty, Rainbow Six, like you know how to take cover, dodge, do these cool tactics. You can't do anything in this game. You're basically standing in an empty hallway with no objects to hide behind and just stand and shoot with auto aim. I find that just multiplayer very repetitive now. Yeah, I never actually got any into the multiplayer. The only thing I played multiplayer really was a couple of those co-op missions with you, Andrew. It was all right. But yeah, I think that, like you said, just the true age of this game is, is that the gameplay, and like again, maybe we're spoiled now, I don't know, but it's just so different. Like you take a game like Mario, which is what, 30 years old, 40 years old almost at this like point? Like original Mario? Yeah, but that gameplay still resonates and so much of it really just hinges on your ability to actually be I think good. it's funny that you're referencing Whereas, a platformer game. <laughs> well, you know me and my platformers, but that's why I love them because they age well. Like, you go all the way back to Mario and there's so much that can just be make or break on that game on your ability to actually pull off a move. And there's none of that in this. But new, nowadays shooters have that because there's cover, there's dodges there's all these crazy things you can do like you said but like you said there's not there's not a lot like this though right where you have the ai you can play with somebody well you didn't back no even you do a lot nowadays yeah they they exist in some games but it still is kind of few and far between you'll you'll get a handful of games that'll kind of throw in a bot here and there maybe to fill in a spot and, and hoping like someone will take its place but not a lot of games, yeah, have bots and multiplayer. Because I think the big issue is a lot of multiplayer games today are competitive. And they try to make their game available to, like, pro leagues and stuff like that. And you can't have bots in it. So, yeah, a lot of games just don't have bots in it. And that's why I think it's really accessible. Because if you're playing with somebody who... I mean, you want more enemies to make it more fun for you. Like, you're playing with a noob or something. I, I feel like it wouldn't be overwhelming for them. Because, I mean, sometimes you go into games... Like, for instance, Apex, and, you know, you you don't want to let people down, you know? So for me, I, that's why I think it's really accessible. And I do agree with that. I, I do think this is a very fun, having fun with your friends on the couch kind of multiplayer game. If you can have one or two buddies over and do it, and yeah, throw in some bots, it's it's not a bad time. But For you it is. I, I You guys can just play for hours on end. I can do, like, three matches, and then I'm like, all right, getting a little repetitive. <laughs> But you can play Call of Duty for, like, all day, every day. Because there's a lot more that's going on with that. This is just stand and shoot, stand and shoot. And that's kind of it. I, I See, I, like, I get why you enjoy playing it with your sister. In, and not just because it's your sister, but, I mean, that's a thing, like, it's a thing you guys have together. And that's really cool, and there's nothing wrong with it, obviously. And it is fun. It's just not that fun. Quick. Gun to your head. Perfect Dark or Graveyard Keeper. You can only have one of them the rest of your life. What do you choose? Probably Graveyard Keeper. <laughs> I'm not 
saying this is a fantastic game. I like I said at the beginning, a lot of it is nostalgia, but there are parts of the game that I like I said earlier, I don't think that the graphics are any good at all. I mean, I understand there they did some things like there was a, these tile floors, they had amazing shadows and stuff. Like they actually did really good parts of it, but for me looking at like the movement and the people and playing the campaign, I it it didn't age well at all. See, the graphics I actually think are pretty good. So <laughs> this is a remastered. So the studio that remastered is called 4J Studios. And I think they did a great job because they didn't touch the core game. They essentially just added more textures, kind of polished some of the polygons. But if you look at original Perfect Dark gameplay, it's rough. It's it's real rough looking. Oh, yeah. But the shadows and everything like that, that's all done with the remake. That's something that the studio did and made better. My biggest complaint, though, of the graphics are uh, the lens flares or the light flares. If you go in a room with these fluorescent wall light, it blinds you. It, like, legitimately makes your screen white. And I try to think, I try to find if there was a way to turn that off. Because, especially there's a couple levels later on the campaign where it's like a hangar. And it's littered with these lights. And it's almost impossible to see. It is... It gave me a headache. I didn't see that, but when I was playing the game, I actually turned to you and said, that guy's hair is better than any hair in Just Cause 4. <laughs> so there's one character, at least, that I think they did a great job with the hair. Not that, you know, I mean, if it's better than Just Cause 4, it doesn't really say much, but, I mean, that was 20 years ago. <laughs> is it? Is it the guy who looks like Ron Swanson? Daniel? Oh, no, you're thinking of the, the director. No, she was talking about uh, the double agent that you meet later on the campaign. Uh, he, he's blonde like haired he, guy. He looks like Ron. He kind of does actually. Now they say that, <laughs> but overall, yeah, I think the CD did a fine job because they didn't touch also any of the voice acting, which awful, <laughs> so bad. It's, so it's good. awful and good at the same time. When you have your main character, you have your director. When it comes to like the serious characters, they're they're normal voice acting, and I think it's fine. Some of the lines I think are pretty laughable. Um, but then you got a couple of the scientists that are just like so exaggerated and super nasally that it's just hilarious and I love it. And then I don't know how you guys felt for it. For me, I ended up hating the music. We and, left it on and the that is because of you guys. <laughs> yeah, because we would, you know, stop the game for a minute to get food or whatever. For a minute, you would leave it for a half hour. You were so dramatic. No, this favorite thing to do. You would just. Go over and shut up and be like, how oh, can you guys listen to this? And it's just like, I've said this with other games. Like, if I leave a game on, I just turn it off. Like, or just ask me to. <laughs> you get so upset. Because that's what it's I like, don't get. You guys don't turn it off. You guys are on your phones. You're like, I'm done playing. And you guys just put your controllers down, go on your phones, and it's just playing over and over and over again. Andrew <laughs> hates repetitive noise. Like, it is his least favorite thing in the entire world. So this this game really probably irked you. I mean, overall, the music didn't bother me that much. It is very Nintendo 64. But overall, as far as soundtracks go, I don't think it's the worst. It just, some of the music started to get a bit uh, repetitive from you guys. Yeah, every level seemed to have its own different music style. And it kind of fit in terms of tempo and what was going on. It also largely faded into the background a lot. It wasn't overly aggressive, but I actually liked it. I thought it was pretty good as a whole. I could see 30 minutes straight of the intro music or the hanging screen music driving me up a wall, though. <laughs> That's I will what confirm. Was. I like that if something changes, it would have, like, a loud noise and the music would change. Like, it wouldn't just, like, kind of fade into something else. So, since now that we've played this game, 
There was also a uh, prequel, which was awful. It launched at the beginning of the 360, and it just, it wasn't that fair. It was not good at all. I didn't like it. But anyway, there's actually talk that Microsoft, they formed this new studio with amazing talent called The Initiative. And probably by the time people are listening to this, they might have finally announced what game they're making. But there is a lot of rumors that Microsoft is bringing back Perfect Dark and that this studio is supposedly doing a remake of this game or a reboot. Some sort of version of the universe. We're not sure if it's supposed to be a sequel or reboot. But if they did, what would you want from a new 2020 Perfect Dark? I think I would say keep that counteroperative mode, but really build on it and make it a lot more fun to play. You would actually want the counteroperative mode still? Yeah, I think that's I think that's extremely unique. I think I would just say, and, and so this is actually not having played it at all, <laughs> I, mind you, but just the idea of it alone I like. But based on your description of it, where you know you're just simply playing as a grunt of the of the map and you just respawn over and over trying to kill him, I think it'd be a lot more fun if you could build on it and have like special characters or like design your map so that like they have to get through almost some sort of you know. Mario World Maker, or Mario Maker, going back to my platformers. <laughs> but uh, do you still want it first person? Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't change yeah. that. What about you, Liz? I would definitely play it. I would be interested to see if I would like the campaign. Because it's going to be a different setup than something I've played before, where you have like a, a set of missions, and it's you know kind of like pass or fail kind of thing. I would be interested in playing it. It's not my favorite way to play a game. But definitely the combat simulator, I would be thrilled if they had that. And especially if they made improvements. Because, like, I do the auto-aim and stuff. I would love to see that better. So you essentially really want the game, as is, for the most part, just kind of improved? Yeah. No, I mean, like, campaign-wise, I don't really know. I didn't really get into it. I, like I said before, I think the graphics and the voice acting really just blew it for me with the story. So I don't know if I would get into it. So I feel like I can't really have an opinion on that. But the combat simulator, I mean, if you incorporate like aiming and different environments, all that kind of stuff, I think it would be a lot of fun. I definitely think there's, you know, a million ways to improve it. But yeah, I'd be totally down. Why? What do you think? Would you guys want a more serious or a still kind of humor story? I think buy in on the humor. And, and keep it going because then you can actually play on like i don't know a little bit of the jankiness of the old game without making it janky i would say either more humor or have it serious i think they could have been a little bit well, you just you just answered with yes you have a question what? yes you <laughs> this question was do you want it more funny or more serious you went i want it more just more uh, la- or more comical or more serious. So you basically no. Just... What I'm saying is, I want. Like, I feel like it needs to go in one direction. Like, so for me, I'm saying I like the humor, but it wasn't funny enough. So I think you either have to go serious or add more humor because I don't think it was funny enough. Okay, but does that make sense? Yeah. So you're looking for either like kind of a straight up comedy game or just be full serious because this game is like isn't super funny. It's just like cheeky. So you'd rather want something just like funny. Yeah. Okay. Is that wrong? <laughs> no. That's fine. So you just didn't like the slight humor of it. Yeah. I th- Exactly. Okay. I do f- think it would be weird to have just like a, a really serious spy game. I mean, I feel like it's kind of, you know, been there, done that. So I think I think they should go like way funny. And that's also what I'm kind of surprised too, that you guys haven't really touched on like 
how you want the spy aspect to go. Do you want it more of a, a stealth game? Do you still want it to be kind of this? Because even though you're quote unquote a spy, you're not really you're not really sneaking around. You're you're kind of just blasting everyone. No, I was running gun every time. Yeah. Well, I don't like things that are time sensitive, which I felt like there was a lot of that. I I like watching spy movies and TV shows. Like I'm watching a, t- a spy TV show right now. I love it. I don't necessarily like playing it though. It makes me nervous. So you'd rather have it more action based. Yes. I don't really like actually like having these very strict specific missions. Of like hacking a computer, playing And a if bug. you make one mistake, it's like the whole operation's done. I mean, obviously with a 2020 game, I'm sure they would have checkpoints and stuff like that to fix. Because that is one thing that is frustrating. If you screw up once in this game, it's like, well, I have to restart the entire level over again. And that was pretty awful. And there wasn't even just, I would have been fine with that if there was just a straight restart button. Yeah. Which is a whole nother thing. You had to quit out and go back. Not that it takes long to load. It's a ported over N64 game, but it it was just the principle that I didn't like it on. I agree with that because the missions were short, but it does suck having to go back into it. So I agree with that. So for me, I would personally like it to be probably a little bit more serious. I think Microsoft really kind of struggles with these really heavy, nice story-based games. They, they have a lot of fun games, which is nice, like Sea of Thieves, but you're not playing it for this like compelling story and everything like that. I would actually like a more compelling story. And I would love, actually, if they went more to the stealth aspect as you being a spy. So a big series I loved was Splinter Cell, but they haven't made one in a while. And the latest series of those, the, the latest installments of those games were a nice marriage between heavy action and good stealth. And I think this game would be perfect for it. I wouldn't mind if it was third person and I'm sneaking through the shadows and I have cool gadgets because this is also in the future. You could have a lot of fun with some cool gadgets. So I actually would like a nice, serious third person stealth game. I think I would like that. But if they did that, I think they would have to do some character development. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure they would. I, I do think that if you're having a serious spy game like you do need to have information on the characters i think there should be an emotional investment in it so for me i wouldn't mind it going that way see i think at that point if i was going to jump into that level though i want it to go open world at that point and then you have like some sort of you know list of other spies like you're keeping track of the world around you is it like sort of moves in the spy world oh like assassinations and stuff which, like, yeah, now I feel like I'm, we're just not even talking about Perfect Dark anymore. <laughs> that's okay. I we're like just talking it. about a, a game we really like. But that's what I would no, start to see if you wanted to go serious with it. That'd be cool. That's actually not a bad idea, Keith. Because this whole game is essentially talking about kind of... It's kind of corporate espionage is what you're doing. You're not working for the government. You work for the Carrington Institute. And you're essentially infiltrating another corporation called Datadyne. And so... That actually would be kind of a cool idea, Keith. It was like open world and maybe you could be recruited for different companies and work for that company to kind of build up that company and try to do like corporate espionage stuff. That's actually kind of a cool idea, Keith. Ooh, and then that's how you could all completely work in the whole counteroperative thing. Yeah. You could have like different companies that friends or enemies are working for. I think we just solved the game. <laughs> no. Microsoft, at us. <laughs> we know you're listening. But uh, also, real quick, would you guys want it to be a sequel or a reboot? Just like them starting from scratch. I think reboot. I don't think it can be a reboot if it could go that way. 
I think, I mean, I think a reboot would be they keep it almost the exact same style, is what I'm thinking. But all to say, yeah, I think I would just make, same, let's make it like a sequel, because then you can just make a different game, basically, if you want to. I think that would be... Or would that be if, a if you made a sequel... Yeah, I'm kind of confused. If you made a sequel, that means you would still have to kind of keep the weird alien stuff that's kind of humorous. And have the, the characters. Uh, I, I think they would keep the characters and stuff. For me, I just think that they, like, kind of have a cool idea-ish, but just make it better. <laughs> I feel like they should just do a reboot. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, like, I guess I think do they, they should just start from scratch and just like... Keep the characters, but... Yeah, they have a good idea, just make it better. <laughs> yeah, they should use our gameplay recommendation and do that and then reboot it. <laughs> that's what I think. Not bad. Alright, but uh, then moving on, kind of an awful thing about this game is the achievements. Since this is a Xbox 360 game, uh, those of you who have played Xbox 360 arcade games may remember that achievements only go up to 200 points. Because, I don't know, Microsoft had a weird policy that if it was an arcade game, you could only do a game score of 200. So the achievements in this game are not interesting. It's very much beat the game on each of these difficulties. There's one where you shoot a bunch of wine, but I thought the achievements were not worth it. I had to play under your name, so even if I got achievements, it wouldn't have worked anyway, so I didn't look them up. Yeah. yeah I think I got like 40 points or something. <laughs> yeah, so I definitely wouldn't recommend this for achievement hunters. But uh, getting into our final thoughts, Liz, what did you think of Perfect Dark? Oh, crap, I'm going first. It's your game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's something that I have put so many, like just a ridiculous amount of hours into this because nostalgia reasons alone, like I just love GoldenEye. I think if I played it as a younger person who had never played GoldenEye, I'd be like, what is this? <laughs> and so taking that into account, the campaign and then the score of like the combat simulator, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so maybe like... I, I'm maybe like a 78, and I feel bad giving it that score because I feel like I probably put more hours into this game than any other game we've played. I mean, yeah, a game could still not have a great rating, but still be a good game. Yeah, I I really do think that... I feel like you always have to like justify your answer, like, I put so much hours in it, I need to give it a higher score. No, it's probably fine. Yeah, because I really, I was combining like the campaign, like honestly, like maybe like a 50, and then the combat simulator, like a 90, which is, I mean, I know you guys are probably making fun of me, but I'm going to give it a 78. If I rate this two different ways, like how did it hold up against its competitors? Where does it stand? It's, I mean, it's it's a legend of its, of its class, really. Um, I mean, in that regards, it's like a 90. But as far as the enjoyability of sitting down in 2020 and playing it, that's like a 60 at best for me. I mean, there was points where it was kind of all right, but it just felt like I was doing nothing other than just running and shooting until I got the thing I needed, and then I'd do another thing, and none of it felt fun at any point. But I think it would be, yeah, the combat simulator, because 20 years ago I would have sat and played this game for eight hours and not showered and or probably (laughs) moved. But I don't know. So a 90 and a 60. (laughs) <laughs> all right you so you guys are both very kind of similar so yours but, is like the same score as a glizz yeah it's, it's a great it, it is a great game it just doesn't I think age it's for well different reasons too <laughs> like his 90 is for a different reason <laughs> so as i said overall yeah give this game a pass because it is hard for me to oh, recommend it, it to someone too, by the way just yeah as far as that's still holding that on 
<laughs> yeah, thanks for interrupting. Um, so, <laughs> so it's it's hard for me to recommend to someone who hasn't played it. I know we have a lot of young listeners who obviously didn't grow up with this game and doesn't understand what the whole interest was in it. It's a nice kind of look back and to see how games were in Nintendo 64. I think this was a phenomenal game. This probably was my favorite game on Nintendo 64. I played this game a bunch. But yeah, playing it now it definitely doesn't age on some of its mechanics. I still think the campaign's pretty enjoyable. I loved the interesting things that Rare did with it, with the counteroperative, having a co-op, depending on the difficulties, what you're doing on the level. I really enjoyed the replayability. This game was actually a really solid package. It had a lot of things you could do. Overall, I think I'm going to give it an 80. It's still one of my favorite games. I still had a lot of fun with it. Playing the combat simulator, though, now, it's I've just played so many good multiplayers that it was hard for me to stick around with. But I I still had fun replaying the campaign and playing on the hard difficulty. I think I just like simple, and that's why it's good for me and bad for you. I don't know. <clears throat> but, but looking at Metacritic, I was kind of surprised. 79 and 8.5. And the Frenchman... He returned. Ooh. He had a lot to say about Nintendo fanboys. <laughs> um, like he, I feel like he was targeting the fans, you know, which is really weird to me. I did like a free translation online, so who knows like how accurate it is. But he gave it a zero. I, oh, okay. I'm oh, sorry. You. I was, I was yeah. waiting for that reveal. I feel like I, we're, we're going to need to have you read us the review, and then we need to, to guess his rating. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. But there was one critic who gave it 80 who said, Only nostalgists will want to play it at length, but this shames modern shooters with its ambition. Um, Which I think is a good description. I mean, sure, if you if they created this game in 2020. Yeah. But they created it in 2000. <laughs> I just... Yeah, it's it does, they didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. They I, actually did uh, some ambitious things that I loved. I thought that yeah. It, yeah, it is saying that's ambition. Yeah. Ambitious. Um, but I do want to know if anybody who didn't grow up with these games has played this on Xbox and what your thoughts are. So yeah. If you're listening and you have played it and you didn't grow up with GoldenEye or Perfect Dark, tweet us, uh, Facebook us, message yeah. us. Let us know. I'm really curious. Or send us an email at gamepassgrabbag at gmail.com. Yeah, we would love to hear from you. Or even I, if you did grow up with it, let us know what your thoughts are now. Because, yeah, I... Because you always talk about GoldenEye. If you played GoldenEye, you would not like it. Okay. I'm telling you, it does not age well either. I, that had a campaign. I don't even know. I didn't play it. I just played um, Versus with my siblings. Yeah. But yeah, we would love to hear what you guys think of Perfect Dark. If you guys still think it holds up really well or if it doesn't, yeah, please message us. But uh, I have been your hardcore gamer host, Andrew. You can follow me on Xbox Live at Firebird01952. I'm also at Twitch at twitch.tv slash Firebird01952. Uh, I've been Keith. I don't know. I don't have anything fun to say. Okay. Maybe maybe tell me something fun to say if you're still listening. That offer still stands. I can throw it in throw it in Andrew's Twitch channel or tweet message Facebook. Then do it. Interwebs go. And that Google reminds machine. me. Thank you so much, Colt, for coming by on the stream and uh, hanging out with me and uh, chatting with me a little bit. So yeah. Hey, Colton. And uh, next time you're on, make sure you uh. You can type something to have Keith say something dumb. Yeah. And I'm Liz Noob, gamertag Common I'm Dean. I'm on Twitter at Liz Noob. Noob is EW. And yeah, definitely go to Facebook and Twitter because Andrew's streaming more. He'll let you know when he's streaming and you guys can come by and say hi. 
Alrighty, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining. We love you all, and we hope to see you again next week. Bye, guys. Okay, bye.